In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Ah, uh, Good morning, folks. Welcome. It's a Wednesday, halfway through the week. August 10th, it is exactly. And of course, the year is 2022. Seventy-four degrees right now. They say it's going to get up to 82. Not a huge increase. And some thunderstorms are possible. So uh, that's that's just the way it is. And um, yeah, there it is. So we'll fade that out and uh, get down to business here. And maybe we will feature some more of it as we get going here at the end. All right. Good morning, folks. Once again, welcome. Um, that one's so good we could play it again. All right. Um, August 10th, as I said. Today is National Lazy Day. You know. I think I know a lot of people that have that regularly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I have a... I don't know. I... National lazy. Thing. I have a hard time being that way. I guess. Now, sometimes you know you can you can lay around and oh, look mean, after you cut the grass for ten hours or whatever it is, and you know you you need to cool off and well, rest sure. and relax. Sure. But <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I'm just not to the age yet where I. I don't like being lazy. I I don't. Um, I wouldn't consider myself lazy. No, I wouldn't either. I, I do like to um, focus on certain TV programs. Maybe, yes. Right. And yes. then for that, I'll I have the computer on my uh, uh, lap, but basically I'm focused on the show. But trying to get through the thousands of emails I get, um, and dispose of them. But uh, what what what's the do you like America's Got Talent? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I I like it better than okay. A lot of these shows are spinoffs from American Idol and a uh, show back in the what seventies or eighties. I can't recall the name of it now. It was like a talent show, and uh, you know American Idol was on TV, still is, I guess, on a different network now. But after a while, it got to be kind of redundant and repetitive with, uh, you know, the singers at the end of their songs. They would raise their falsettos way above another octave, and the audible would go way up. And it just seemed like they would all be screaming towards the end of their song to get an audience reaction, which it worked. 
most of the time. But, it, you know, the judges started noticing that, too. And Well, a, song, just, a song has to um, have a certain degree of climax. Yeah, it does. But um, everyone was doing the judges would yeah. say the same comments. Yeah, and I'm just anyway. I I, I yeah. think um, you know I, the thing I like about America's Got Talent is it's a variety of things. It's not just singers. Oh yeah. It's not just dancers. Yeah. It's uh, acrobats. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all sorts of things. Magicians. And. Um, particular individual talents that nobody ever had seen before like maybe a, a freak show or a yeah. side show of a circus well anyway yeah yeah how I did, did i, I get didn't on like this? it i guess um well I, d- I don't know how. late well we were talking about national lazy day oh okay and then it went to that but you know those people are not lazy the entertainers um there was a guy on last night, and, you know, it was a, a male, and they were positioning his legs and torso in ways unimaginable to me. Mm. And you wonder, is that going to someday come back and haunt him, you know, mm-hmm. the muscular and bone sockets and everything yeah du- double jointed yeah bone structures it just that's amazing how some people can do that it just it hurts watching it sometimes oh, it's, it's just amazing <laughs> okay national s'mores day Ooh. okay so this see a s'more would be uh graham crackers a marshmallow and a bit of chocolate um over a campfire right yeah that's it okay Roast the marshmallow, and then uh, put the Hershey bar and the graham cracker, and then put the hot marshmallow inside, and it melts the chocolate. Mm. I have a wonderful little campfires uh, pit. Oh yeah, you co- you talked about maybe having a little uh, neighborhood gathering there. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I think we just had so much rain this year. Oh yeah, so it's been hard to plan, but. Um, The, uh, it's just an old semi-tire rim, but it keeps it safe. And um, as I trim trees, I trim pieces that are worth burning, you know, mm-hmm. and save them up and have a nice stack of stuff. And um, yeah, maybe this weekend I'll get with Grace and we'll have a cookout. There you go. Maybe get some ingredients for some s'mores. Absolutely. A little dessert. Agent Orange Awareness Day. Now, you know, I served in the service. I was in the Army. Uh, I was never exposed to that sort of stuff. But that was... um, I'll, I'll use the word chemical, that uh, was used in combat situations. Uh, how about you doing a better description of it? Than okay. Me? 
Why don't you dig in there? In the early 1960s, Americans used the herbicide in Vietnam to clear thick foliage from battlegrounds to eliminate the enemy's protective ground cover. And uh, those exposed to the chemical suffer a wide range of negative medical effects uh, to this day. And uh, there is a list of them. Uh, diabetes, AL, Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, multiple myeloma, wow. Parkinson's, prostate cancer, respiratory cancer, soft tissue, sarcoma. Okay, lots of it. Yeah. So um, that was to control the um, um, the plant life. Yeah, the ground cover of the VC. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, recently I've been getting a lot of emails saying, were you ever at Camp Lejeune? Where's that down in the Carolinas? North Carolina, yes. Because evidently the water supply there has come under question and that you may have some opportunity to get claim some sort of harm yeah but i I was never there yeah seeking compensation for the medical effects long-term medical effects that could have happened okay now let's see here that was at fort bragg which is also there north carolina but not at camp lejeune yeah who was dad Oh, oh okay did you have any military no. Okay. So National Shapewear Day. I don't think I understand that. Are we talking about clothing that makes your shape look better? Yes. We are. <laughs> okay. It celebrates the history, current trends, and continued use and evolution of body shaping garments. I'll be there. All right, and then finally, National Connecticut Day. All of those are on this August 10th, 2022. Historically speaking, in 610, that's right, the year 610, in Islam, the traditional date of the Laylat al-Qadar, When Muhammad began to receive the Quran, right? I think I've said that fairly well. Um, anyway, that's that's the date at, attached to it. On this date in 1497, John Cabot tells King Henry the seventh of his trip to Asia. Now we move to the year 1675 when King Charles II and John Flamsteed lay the foundation stone of the Royal Observatory. That, of course, in Greenwich, London. 1846, the the United States Act of Congress passes establishing the Smithsonian. 
institution, now the world's largest museum and research complex. Certainly you've had the chance to visit the Smithsonian, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. As have I many times. It's I, I don't think I've ever gone there that I haven't found something I didn't hadn't seen before. Mm, yeah. I I just remembered very distinctly the the spirit of St. Louis airplane. Yes. Hanging Hang, there. Hanging the, up there yeah. in that hall. Yeah. And then the other plane was um there's three planes suspended there in that same huge room. Was uh hmm, was one of them the Wright brothers plane? Yes, I think so, but there's one other Oh well. Now we got to find out. So I got I got to do some digging. Okay, but I'm going to ask you to dig something else. First. Okay. Over and over, when I bring in this world report of things on certain days, there is a little thing saying the tragedy of Doctor Phil. Oh, uh, we you know yeah we've done this before. Well, I don't remember. Yeah, because um, that what? is what is considered clickbait okay but what what is what are they getting at well there, there's no basis to that story what they do is this clickbait posts a headline there for you to do basically what you just did what is this so when you click on that to read more about it it has nothing to do with dr phil they're promoting a product or a service but they got you to do it by your interest and intrigue and curiosity about what happened to Dr. Phil. Okay. So it's 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 not that I disbelieve you. Yeah, it's an advertisement more than anything else. But would you simply type into your machine, because I don't have mine right in front of me here, Dr. Phil tragedy and see what comes up. Okay. Let's see if there's something that is weird. Well, it is weird, but something that is. Uh, okay, this says, "What is the tragedy of Doctor Phil?" Okay. Now you know his name. Last name is McGraw. Well, if you didn't, you do now. I did not. Phil McGraw and his wife Robin McGraw are mourning the death of Robin McGraw's sister, Cindy Broadus. People Magazine reported. She was 68 years old. She survived a random acid attack 17 years ago. Random acid attack? Yeah. What's that mean? I'm thinking somebody threw acid on her. (laughs) Well, that's really nice. Jeez, that's brutal, barbaric. Keep going. That's it. That's it? Yeah, that's all it says. Now they go on to say, did Dr. Phil have a stroke? It says the injury caused a clot in his carotid artery, which then traveled to his brain. It was January 3rd, 2019, a few days before the new semester at CNU was scheduled to begin. Um, Dr. Phil, at age 57, had gone home for lunch when the stroke occurred. Okay, well, I guess we'll just leave it be. So that's that's all it pops up here. Okay, famous birthdays. 
Antonio Banderas. He is 62 years of age today. And um, let's see here. His background. Jose Antonio Dominguez Bandera, known professionally as Antonio Banderas, is a Spanish actor known for his work in films of several genres. He has received various accolades, including a Cannes Film Festival Award. And some of his movies include Desperado from 1995, from 98, The Mask of Zorro, Uncharted from 2022, and Puss in Boots in 2011. There were two there I was familiar with. Okay, Hugo Eckner, Eckner, E-C-K-E-N-E-R. He was born on this date in 1868. He died in 1954. What was his thing? Hugo Eckner? Uh, he was the manager of the Zeppelin, the German oh, dirigible, during yeah. the interwar years and also the commander of the famous Graf Zeppelin for most of its record-setting flights, hmm. including the first airship flight around the world, making him the most successful airship commander in history. You know, I do marvel at those things. But I wouldn't have wanted to serve on one. I think they're just too... Um, Volatile, yes, flammable. Well, I mean, you know, they don't have the the ability to move quickly or change course oh, or yes. um, avoid. They're, um, they're not very mobile yeah. as far as speed. Yes, but they they are. Have you ever been up in one? Oh no, they are so quiet, and you just have this sense of floating up in there, in the air. It's really quite remarkable. I've been up on the Goodyear blimp, which is often featured at sports events. Mm -hmm. Does this still exist? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they still, you, you can hear them at um, golf tournaments, you know, when it's real quiet, when, yeah. a, when a golfer gets ready to putt or tee off or something like that. You can hear them okay. on the TV screen. But that's how quiet it is at those tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've been aboard, um, I, I, I'm sure Goodyear has more than one, but... Um, oh, yeah, they do. I've been up on one of them anyway. Yeah. They and fly it, them still around like the Super Bowl, World Series, yeah, yeah. things like that. Any big sporting event or big uh, concert event, anything like that. All right, next birthday is uh, that of Herbert Hoover. He was born in 1864, died in 1964, um, so he lived to be 90. Herbert Clark Hoover was an American politician and engineer who served as the 31st president of the United States from 1929 to 1933 and holding office during the onset of the Great Depression. Yeah, what a tough period. Yes. How would you like to have had that to deal with? Mm, yeah, and take the blame for it, as most people 
probably did at the time. Some people, when they hear the name, that's one of the first things associated with that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for him, here's three interesting facts about Herbert Herbert Hoover. Would you like to know? Uh, no. Okay. No, of course. I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Herbert Hoover became an orphan at age nine. Mm. He was the first president born west of the Mississippi River. He was a member of Stanford University's inaugural class. He was a multi-millionaire and helped save millions from starvation. How did he come by that? After two world wars. It doesn't doesn't mention. Well, I mean, if he was, uh, what would you say, at nine, he was... uh, Orphaned. Yeah. Where would the money come from? Uh... Yeah, it probably self-made millionaire. Does it place a profession that he was at some point responsible for? Uh, I'm going to look and see. Herbert Hoover, millionaire. Let's see. His net worth was $75 million in current dollars, according to news reports. He worked with President Wilson on war relief efforts. Hoover organized food supply efforts for the government, but it still doesn't say. Let's mm. see, how did he become a millionaire? He traveled the world locating lucrative mineral deposits. Okay. And by the age of 27, he had become one of the firm's first four partners. He left the company in 1908 and soon had profitable business interests on every continent except for Antarctica. So minerals and mining. Yes. All right. Mineral deposits. Well, the last uh, birthday we have to mention today is that of Kylie Jenner, celebrating her 25th birthday today. And um, K-Y-L-I-E Jenner, J-E-N-N-E-R. Kylie Kristen Jenner is an American media personality, socialite, model, and businesswoman. Mm-hmm. She starred in the E! reality television series, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Mm -hmm. from 2007 to 2021, and is the founder and owner of cosmetic company Kylie Cosmetics. She is the daughter of Kris Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner. Mm -hmm. Okay, two deaths to mention. We had... Oh, this one, I should know but i don't it's michael hauser h-o-u-s-e-r he was born in 62 1962 died in 2002 musician yeah who um what what, uh what group was let's see they gave me a hockey player here when was his birthday h-o-u-s-e-r h-o-u-s-e-r okay birthday uh, 1962. Okay. Michael Hauser was a founding member and lead guitarist of the band Widespread Panic. Never he heard of it. I, I have. He appeared on seven studio albums during his 16-year tenure with the band from 1986 to until 2002. He's also featured on four live albums as well as several archive releases, live video concerts, and compilations. And the second uh, uh, famous death we have, I think this was a friend of my father's, Robert Goddard, Robert 
Robert H. Goddard, G-O-D-D-A-R-D. He was born in 1882, died in 1945. Robert Goddard, Robert Hutchings Goddard, was an American engineer, professor, physicist, an inventor who is credited with creating and building the world's first liquid-fueled rocket. Goddard successfully launched his rocket on March 16, 1926, which ushered in an era of space flight and innovation. Well, I see one little blurb here. This isn't normally I don't go any farther in this report, but it says Cleopatra, the legendary queen of Egypt, is said to have died on this day, famously submitting to the bite of a poisonous snake. And um, the question is, is that true or not? And we, we just don't know. Okay, while you're moving to our next segment here, what famous aircraft are on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum? The Voyager is now on permanent display in the main gallery. Alongside such other famous aircraft as the Wright Flyer, or the Wright, uh, Wright Brothers, yeah. and Charles Lindbergh's Spirit of St. Louis. So those, those are the three. That first plane, though, is what? I, I thought, I think it's a spaceship. The Voyager okay. was one of the Apollo spacecraft, Okay. I want to say. Now I've, I've got to look that up. I've just got to do it. <laughs> well, it's, Voyager um, spacecraft. While you're doing that, I'm going to continue on. Okay. Serena Williams. The tennis star announced that she will depart from the sport. She made that announcement yesterday, hinting that the U.S. Open will be her final tournament and then says she wants to focus on family and spiritual goals. She, of course, is widely considered one of the greatest tennis players of all time. She's 40 years old and yet is a 23-time Grand Slam champion, having first won the U.S. Open in 1999. She also walks away with the female record of 365 Grand Slam match wins as well as 73 singles titles. Um, and 23 doubles titles. In addition, her total prize winnings of more than 94 million bucks are twice as much as any other female athlete. And I believe I'll go on to say regardless of sport. Her final U.S. Open, beginning August 29th, will give her a chance to tie the record of 24 Grand Slam titles. That was set by Margaret Court. I don't remember that name. 
In any case, uh, her early life was documented in the movie King Richard, which follows her father's journey coaching his daughters in Compton, California. Williams delivered the news via an essay for Vogue magazine, saying she is evolving from the sport and resisting the word retirement. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, South Korea. Uh, at least nine people died and six were missing in South Korean floods that occurred yesterday. The heaviest rains to fall in the country since the records were first kept back in 1942. Well, the rain is expected to continue there through Thursday. Subway stations around Seoul, where half of the nation's 52 million people live, filled with water as cars became submerged on roadways and hundreds were evacuated. Almost 18 inches of rain poured in parts of the country, surpassing the average monthly rainfall of 13 inches in just one day. At one point, more than five inches of rain fell per hour, leading to nearly 50 uh, landslide warnings and closing off hundreds of hiking paths. Uh, Rain also fell north of the border in North Korea, where officials broke a 2009 agreement by opening a a dam's floodgates without warning South Korea. Waters at uh, one bridge near the border rose to 17 feet, almost four times the typical water depth. Uh, What else? How about chips? And I'm not talking about potato chips. I'm talking about electronic chips. Micron technology which is a Boise, Idaho-based chip maker, yesterday announced plans to invest $40 billion in memory chip manufacturing here in the U.S. over the next few years. That's the largest investment in memory manufacturing in history. Micron expects to grow the U.S. market share of global chip production from less than 2% up to 10%. Through the creation of 40,000 jobs and with production slated to begin in the second half of the decade. The announcement follows a similar move from Intel, which earlier this month revealed its plans to invest up to $100 billion to build a chip manufacturing right up the street here in uh, well, New Albany area of Ohio. Qualcomm and Global Foundries also announced a new partnership, which includes a $4.2 billion investment in manufacturing chips. Overall, the companies have said they plan to leverage funds from the CHIPS Plus Act 
which is a $280 billion research and development package that includes more than $50 billion to support U.S. semiconductor manufacturing. Our president, Joe Biden, signed the package into law yesterday. Yeah, this thing up in New Albany is a, a really big deal, and so is this other one that we talked about. And um, I think we've mentioned before, really, chips only come from one place. So to add, even though it, they may end up only producing 15% of the chips here in the U.S., the other place is 100%. So, I mean, you get my idea, right? Yes. It's a step forward, certainly. Yeah, we hope, yes. Okay. Mira Lago. Have you seen the uh, overhead picture of that estate? Yes. Gorgeous. Wowsy. Not lousy. Wowsy. It is something. And his place up in, um, where is it? Virginia isn't too bad either. Yeah. Um, nice. We're talking about Donald Trump, of course. And the fact that the FBI searched Miralago a couple of days ago. There are, by most accounts, two scenarios. Perhaps the central question about the FBI search of Miralago, Trump's Florida home, is whether it is relatively narrow attempt to recover classified attempts, I'm sorry, classified documents, or is it much more than that? Either scenario is plausible at this point. The Justice Department has long been aggressive about investigating former officials whom it suspects of improperly handling classified materials, including Hillary Clinton, David Petraeus, just to mention a few. If the FBI search merely leads to a legalistic debate about what is classified, it probably will not damage Trump's political future. But it also seems possible that the search is a sign of a major new legal problem for him. People familiar with the search told the Times that it was not related to the Justice Department's investigation into the January 6th attack and Trump's role in it, and it's unlikely that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, would have allowed the search warrant request or that a federal judge would have approved it as was required, unless it involved something important. Uh, Charlie Savage, he 
is a reporter for the Times and very much on top of these sort of rules and regs. Here's a quote from him. I don't think you get a judge to sign off on a search warrant for an ex-president's house lightly. I think the world looks pretty different today than it did 48 hours ago. It's even possible that Trump could be prosecuted over classified documents alone, although that might not keep him from holding office again. (coughs) There is still much more that's unknown about the search. Probably more unknown than known. And that probably won't change until the Justice Department gets much closer to making a decision about how to conclude its investigation. A central tenant of the way in which the Justice Department investigates and a central tenant of the rule of law is that we do not do our investigations in public. But at least two points, two big points, seem clear. First, even though Garland has said that nobody is above the law, the Justice Department will not treat Trump like any other citizen. The bar for filing criminal charges against him will be higher, given that he is a former president who may run again against the current president, perhaps. The considerations when you're talking about a political leader are certainly different and harder. You have the very clear and important rule that the Department of Justice should try in every way possible not to interfere with elections to not take steps using the criminal process that could end up affecting the political process. Still, some legal experts who previously criticized Garland for moving too timidly in investigating Trump said they were encouraged by the Justice Department's recent signs of boldness, including the Mar-a-Lago search. here. Let's skip through some of this. Another point is that the Trump, that rather Trump, appears to be subject of a multiple criminal investigation. And prosecutors may decide that his violations of the law were so significant as to deserve prosecution. One of those investigations is by state prosecutors in the state of Georgia. And those people may not be as cautious about charging a former president as Garland seems likely to be. Either way, the answer will probably become clear well before November of 2024. Um, bum, 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 bum. 
So what's the latest? Well, before the raid, Justice Department officials had grown concerned that Trump had kept some documents despite returning others. Point number two, if convicted, could Trump be barred from holding office? Question mark. That's a relevant law that is untested. Point three, the Justice Department did not give the White House advance notice of the search that was confirmed by President Biden's press secretary. And the fourth point, Representative Scott Perry, a Pennsylvania Republican who pushed to overturn Trump's laws, said the FBI had seized his telephone, his cell phone. Well, this continues to be a complicated story. And I think what is important is for us to try to forget whether we like or dislike this candidate or that candidate. Just what are the rules? And are parties following the rules? And that includes the candidates or the former office holders or the lawmakers? Tough question. 